Welcome to the Kitchen Table Theology Podcast, where Pastor Jeff Cranston, along with our host, Jen Denton, will discuss biblical theology in an understandable way. You'll discover how to apply biblical truth to your life. Thanks for joining us at the table. Let's get started. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to Kitchen Table Theology. I'm your host, Jen Denton, and along with Pastor Jeff Cranston, we try to make theology understandable, especially for Christians who have never before studied theology. If we use hard-to-understand theological terms, we explain them. Our goal with you, Kitchen Table Theologian, is to help you understand the wonderful truths of the Bible's doctrinal teachings and to have some fun along the way. Pastor Jeff, we are continuing to talk today about the Holy Spirit. The theological term for studying the Holy Spirit is pneumatology, and we defined that in episode 40, and we thought we'd hit on some of the overarching things the Holy Spirit does in the life of God's child. On our last two episodes, we discovered that the Holy Spirit regenerates us to new life in Christ. He restrains sin in the world. He convicts and reveals Jesus Christ to people. He baptizes us into Christ. He reproduces the character of Christ in us, and he helps us to understand the scriptures. That's a lot. (laughs) But I still feel like we are just scratching the surface. Yeah, I think, well, we are, and, and we'll continue on some more incredible things, though, that the Holy Spirit does in the life of a believer in today's podcast. Well, let's go ahead and jump in by looking at two more areas where the Holy Spirit comes alongside of us, power and capacity for sharing our faith and a capacity for ministry. Yeah, so let's start with the first one. The Holy Spirit gives us capacity, burden, and direction for witnessing or sharing our faith. Uh, if you think back to Acts eight, Jesus is telling the disciples who are gathered in the upper room, He says, you will receive the power of the Holy Spirit, which will come on you, and then you will be my witnesses, not only in Jerusalem, but throughout Judea and Samaria, and indeed to earth's remotest end. Okay, I got this one, because many of us have heard these verses many times over in our lives, probably heard more than one sermon on it as well, so I'm going to attempt to break it down for us. Are you ready? Bust it down. (laughs) Let's hear it. Well, I've heard it taught here at Low Country Community Church here in Bluffton, South Carolina. Hello. Shout out to our friends here in Bluffton and in former churches that I've grown up in that the part about in Jerusalem and throughout Judea means to take the gospel to where I live, like my neighborhood, my community, my region, sort of to my immediate neighbors. All right. So far, so good. Okay. (laughs) One down, two more to go. And then the part about Samaria is to go cross-cultural to people who are different from me. Heaven forbid. You could stay in your neighborhood. I wouldn't have to go very far. You wouldn't have to leave the street. (laughs) Maybe not even my My house, house. my kids. (laughs) But to the people who are critics and enemies of the gospel, that's, that's a little bit more daunting. That part casts a big net to include people who are culturally and maybe ethnically different than us, as well as folks who are opposed to the things of God. Okay, so that's two. And then the last part, to the ends of the earth, means to take the gospel overseas to every people, tribe, tongue, and nation. So, how'd I do? Well, folks, that about wraps up today's <laughs> podcast here on Kitchen Table Theology. Thank you, Jen, right, right on the money. I have been listening. So maybe I could add a thought or two here. And no, I think you're, you're spot on there. The Holy Spirit is the key to everything that Acts 1-8 talks about. 
you know, so imagine for a second, did, did any of us really think that the scaredy cat apostles were going to turn Jerusalem upside down without the boldness of the spirit? Mm. I mean, these are the guys who, when Jesus was arrested, you couldn't find them uh, anywhere. Peter was hiding and cussing at people and, <laughs> and carrying on. John was the only one that showed up at the, uh, at the cross, mm, right? Mm-hmm. So how are these guys going to reach the world without the boldness of the Spirit? How are they going to reach across this impossible chasm to the hated Sumerians or the people who were non-Jewish mm. uh, without the love of the Spirit? How were, were these guys going to make God famous to the ends of the earth without the endurance of the Spirit? So the Holy Spirit of God is the only, and if I can refer to it like this analogy, the engine, the only engine that can power this drive to all of these people groups. And he, the Holy Spirit, is the only one who can keep it all from flying apart. So if this new thing that Jesus set up called the church was going to take over the world with the gospel, the Holy Spirit wasn't going to do just the same things he did in the Old Testament. So again, our our point here is that he gives us uh, the capacity, the burden, and the direction for our witnessing. So you think of how the Holy Spirit was active in the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, there was a lot of come and see. You know, Naaman, come and see. The Queen of Sheba was kind of, that was a come and see. And the Spirit was drawing them, basically, look, come to Israel where the Spirit-filled priests of God are ministering in the temple of God. So if you wanted to see anything relating to the Spirit of God in the Old Testament, many times you pretty much had to go to where the temple was or the tabernacle was. You had to go to a place. But Jesus inaugurated this new age of the Holy Spirit, and he said that his power to the disciples is going to come on you. So it's no longer come and see, and it went from come and see to go and tell. And every city becomes the holy city. Every people become the chosen people. Every church and every believer become the holy temple. So think about it for a second. What if this first prediction had fizzled? You know, what if what Jesus said in Acts 1-8 never occurred? Um, it, it's the end of the story. We we don't hear about Christ anymore. The church is not up and running. Uh, Jesus would have been proven to be a false prophet. But it didn't fizzle, it exploded, and the Spirit came in power. So, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea. You know, it it would be good for us if we could hear that through the ears of the apostles, and if we could, we would have really been able to, 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 to sense how impossible that sounded to them. Um, humanly speaking, the mission to reach Jerusalem should have ended with 11 more crosses on Golgotha. Mm-hmm. Yet here is the risen Christ telling them that they wouldn't get snuffed out. They would successfully make him famous in Jerusalem and Judea. So did it happen? You know, we all need to know that because if it didn't, I'm checking out. I'm not waiting around. I'll go find another savior, somebody I could trust, but it did happen. And it happened in a huge way. 3,000 people converting to faith in Christ in one day. 5,000 people a little, uh, just a little while later. And as a friend of mine used to shout in church, well, glory. 
<laughs> well, glory indeed. You know, and it's it's one of those things that makes me think about two things. It makes me think about how very valuable then their own personal relationship with Christ then became in telling their story and in, and in telling their story and in telling the story of the gospel. And I know then the other thing that comes to mind is provision, that there's so many times that I've had to have a difficult conversation over mm-hmm. the years, whether it's with a fellow brother or sister in Christ or back when I was teaching, working with students and parents, and I would say a quick prayer, Lord, just give me the words. And Never once has he let me down in that. And so I would imagine they were doing a lot of prayer as well. <laughs> I would think so, yeah. Absolutely. So I'm, I'm very appreciative for that, to know that the Spirit does give us capacity, burden, and then that ever-important direction for witnessing. So what else does he do? Well, in 1 Peter 4.10, we learn that the Holy Spirit will stay on the word capacity for a second, gives us the capacity for ministry. So that um, that verse says says this. If I could just find the verse here in the Bible, First <laughs> Peter four ten. As each one has received a special gift, employ it in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. So let's just hit on that first part. As each one has received a special gift, employ it in serving one another. Hmm. And the New Living Translation says, manage the gift well so that God's generosity can flow through you. So the Holy Spirit not only gives us the power to do this work, He gives us the capacity to do this work, and He gifts us to do it. You know, around here, we for years, whenever we've talked about what the Holy Spirit gives us in terms of capacity for ministry, we use the acrostic, the word shape, S-H-A-P-E. And S stands for spiritual gifts, and H stands for heart, and A for abilities, and P for personality, and E experience. So as a Christian, you're given at least a spiritual gift, if, if not maybe a couple of spiritual gifts. And then heart, he's working within the, the, the heart, the passion that you have to, to do something. And then he uses the abilities that you have to help fulfill that ministry gift. And then he uses our personalities— weird, quirky, normal, abnormal, whatever our personality is, the Holy Spirit will use that. And then the letter E, our experiences. And he he brings those five things together and sort of coalesces those things uh, and really uses all five of those to help us minister at the highest capacity. So he gives gifts that are shared among us under his direction, and he orchestrates all that. And we, we can't help then but to have an awareness that God counts each one of us as highly valuable mm. in, in His church. So no matter what your social standing or your profession or your lot in life, we can be used by the Holy Spirit in very valuable roles in ministry, you know, managing them well so that God's generosity can flow through you. And that all begins with this variety of spiritual gifts that He as for all of us. Mm-hmm. And I think that's super hard in today's culture as a side note when we 
we're wrapped up in comparison culture and we see, you know, different people in our lives or we, you know, we're inundated with social media or whatever that might be. It's really easy to say, gosh, I wish I had that gift or, you know, this person's using their gift in a different way. And I I wish I had that because I know many of us from time to time maybe have found ourselves saying like, I don't know how in the world God can use me or there's no way I can be used by God. There's only one problem with that. That's not what God says. Yeah, and he never says that about you or I. Uh, What he does say when he gives the spiritual gifts is along the lines of let me use you. I'll use whatever you do, and I'll be in whatever you do. And uh, that means it will bring help. It'll bring blessing to somebody. And and God never fails. And since, you know, he kind of says to us, "I'm, I'm in whatever good you do for my people in my church, and therefore whatever you and I do won't fail. He, he's gifted us. He's given us the opportunities. He's there empowering us to do it. Uh, so that's a very, very cool thing. He gives us capacity for ministry. Well, let's unpack that a little bit and talk about that for a minute, um, because we can mean a lot of things when we say gifts. There are a lot of gifts I believe I have, but <laughs> I don't know that they're necessarily useful for yeah, maybe we the kingdom. Talk about that. So let's put a little light on what you mean when you're talking about gifts or specifically spiritual gifts, because I know this gets confusing for us sometimes. Yeah, the spiritual gifts, I'm coming off the top of my head here, so kitchen table theologians, you can double check me, but I believe that they're listed in Romans 12, sorry, 1 Corinthians 12, Romans 12, and there's another one in one of Paul's letters. You'll Is write it the in the 12th letter because we're on a 12th. Yeah, in Romans 12, 1 Corinthians. It, it'll come to me as soon as we're done the podcast. I apologize. <laughs> but perhaps it would be good to describe what these gifts, these spiritual gifts are not, hmm. so that we can better, better understand what they are. So these gifts that he gives us are not, for example, a place of service. You know, the gift is the ability, not where the ability is exercised. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's not an office. Okay, so in my office, I mean, well, just take the gift of, of pastoring or shepherding. That's one of the spiritual gifts. That's the ability to lead and shepherd people. And now that can be accomplished by somebody who occupies what we call the pastorate. So I'm a pastor, for example. Do I have the gift of shepherding and being a pastor? I don't know. Absolutely, <laughs> you do. Stop. <laughs> Well, so here's here's my point. We we read that in the scriptures that there's this gift of shepherding or the gift of pastor. So we say, well, the only thing you can do with that is to be a pastor. Well, that's not necessarily true. So the 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 dean of men or the dean of women at a college can fulfill that gift very well in that particular office. Watch this, a father or mother in the home absolutely can have the gift of pastor or shepherd and serve his or her family, serve the neighborhood. So it's not a particular, you know, quote unquote office. Mm-hmm. These spiritual gifts also are not about a particular age group ministry. I've heard people say, well, I have a spiritual gift to work with children mm-hmm. and God bless you, but no, you don't. <laughs> You you, you 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 might have a talent, a technique, a passion. Heart for children. A heart for kids. You <laughs> love to work with children, but that's not in and of itself a spiritual gift. The gifts aren't given so that we might serve a particular age group. Now, you might take the, the, the gift you have and serve children, but 
you don't have a spiritual gift just to work with children mm -hmm. or whatever it is, a particular age group ministry. It's also not a specialty or a technique. There, there's no spiritual gift and of writing. There's no spiritual gift of music, uh, Christian education of some sort as listed in Scripture. And a lot of people say that, well, well, I wish I had, you know, Jen, you sing in the worship team and people I'm sure have come, boy, I wish I had your gift. Well, you do have a gift with it, but it's not a spiritual gift mm -hmm. out of the way the scripture lists them. So what, what you really have there is an ability mm -hmm. and abilities are channels through which gifts might be exercised, but the gifts are not specialties or techniques or for our British listeners, they're not specialities. I like that word. Yeah, specialities. <laughs> um, British people add uh, syllables, or maybe they just pronounce the syllables properly, and we we just leave butcher them it. Like we we <laughs> they say aluminium, and we say aluminum. Oh, that would throw me off. Yeah, but the Australians are even worse than we do. They they lop off half the wor words of everything. What's do. the cooking lady that was made a big buzz because she said microwave microwave? <laughs> something it was something crazy <laughs> like that and people were like oh that's not a pronunciation issue that sounds like somebody just doesn't know how to i guess so <laughs> and we digress yes we digressed again <laughs> so anyway your your ministry this ongoing expression of christ's life through you in the world is so important to jesus that he sent the holy spirit to fill you empower you enable you to minister so we minister according to the degree that we allow the Spirit to work in us and, and through us. Your, your ministry is the ministry of the Holy Spirit. We speak words, but they're His words. Hopefully we do the deeds. We take the actions. We make some decisions along the way. But they're His works that He commands us to do. So you and I are the flesh and bones, the personality, uh, the ability, the talent. He's the motivation. He's the power. He's the life. And I think we have to remember that because it's what gives us a sense of humility in the midst of that so that we don't set our identity in one particular thing and our identity in one particular right. ability. Yeah. Um, you know, I like to sometimes think about in terms of analogies and I'm as I'm hearing all this, I'm thinking about, you know, the doctor that ministers to a patient, you know, he or she does their part, they prescribe the treatment and the medicine. They might perform surgery if that's required. They set broken bones and stitches on wounds, but only God can then come in and heal the sick or raise the injured or diseased body. Only God can cause life to overtake disease and death and cause a sick person to become whole again. Yeah, that's a, that's a good analogy. Uh, were you thinking about Dr. Pimple Popper, MD, during all that? I was not thinking about her. It's not my favorite show on television, I have that to say. That kind of surprises me, I'm going to be honest. I figured you would have been There's an odd that. satisfaction there, but sometimes I'm just a little too squeamish. Uh, any, anyway, that, it's a good analogy. The same, you know, that goes for our work in ministering to other people. We We do all that we know to do under the direction of the Holy Spirit, but the results of the ministry are His results and His alone, you know, just like your analogy. He he causes ministry to take root and become a li living testimony in, in our lives or in the lives of the people, let's say, who are receiving the ministry. So, you know, the fact that He is our enabler for, for a variety of ministries demonstrates, as you said earlier, just really how important he is to our, our daily walk. Mm -hmm. It's vital as a Christian 
that that I walk by means of the Spirit, that I am I stay in a state of constant dependence upon him. Mm-hmm. And when that happens, you know, it's the old saying, it's a whole lot easier to steer a moving car than a parked car. Mm. So as as we're staying in that constant state of dependence, it's easier for him to work with us, to guide us, to direct us, and so forth. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I often talk with with students in the, the midst of change and remind them that the only thing we really can count on life is change, change. Yeah. and that things are always going to be there. But as those changes come, we have to remember that daily dependence on him for sure. Well, Kitchen Table Theologians, that about wraps up today's podcast. But before we sign off here today, we want to let you know that our next podcast will deal with a topic that so many Christians have questions about, the impardonable. Unpardonable. Is it in? Un? Un. Wouldn't have the same meaning, impardonable, unpardonable. About the unpardonable sin. Is there an impartable sin? Is there a sin so terrible that God will never, ever forgive it? Don't answer that because we're covering it next time. Now we're going to have to cover the word impardonable. Well, like it's impassable or it's unpassable. I don't don't know. know. You're the teacher. Yeah, but I'm not a grammar (laughs) teacher by any stretch of the imagination. (laughs) I I, I think we've both proven ourselves to be (laughs) lacking in that department so far. Well, we're not saying micro wave, so (laughs) we haven't gone down that road yet. But really, is there a sin so terrible that God will never, ever forgive it? That's what we're going to look at. And Jesus talks about the unpardonable sin. And that sin has something to do with the Holy Spirit, which we've been talking about over the last three podcasts together. So watch out for that when our very next podcast drops soon. Thanks, as always, for tuning in today. If you enjoyed listening to this podcast as much as we enjoy making them, (laughs) don't forget to hit that subscribe button on whatever platform you're listening from. And while you're there, please consider leaving a review, which helps other people to find out about Kitchen Table Theology. And also head over to jeffcranston.com for all of our previous podcasts. As a special shout out and thanks to our sound engineer, woot woot, Gabe Diaz. <laughs> and as always to our friends here at Low Country Community Church right here in usually sunny Bluffton, South Carolina for making this podcast possible. And thank you, Kitchen Table Theologians, for your support, your questions, your encouragement all along the way as we remember that the real power of theology is not only knowing it, but applying it. You've been listening to the Kitchen Table Theology Podcast with Jen Denton and Pastor Jeff Cranston. Join us next time for more insights into biblical truth. If you'd like to know more on today's topic, you can check out the show notes at jeffcranston.com. You can also email us at pastorjeff at lowcountrycc.org. If you're enjoying this podcast, would you consider leaving a rating and review on iTunes? We deeply appreciate your help in getting the word out. And be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or in your favorite podcasting app to continue this journey with us as we learn about and apply God's Word to our lives. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next time here at Kitchen Table Theology.